Welcome to the Bikepack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski, and I interview bike tourists from around the world to bring you stories of their adventures and experiences. These are people who get out there and leave the comfort zone of the typical 9 to 5 to embark on ambitious adventures and take on challenges that most people can only dream about. If you like what you hear today, please share this podcast with other bike tours you know, or anyone else you think may be interested. If you want to get in touch, you can email me at info at biketouradventures.com or find me on Facebook and Instagram at Bike Tour Adventures. In episode 15 of Bike Tour Adventures, I'm talking with the Swag family about their one-year family bike tour around Australia on tandem bikes. The Swag family, Nicola, Andrew Hope, and Wilfie Hughes, have taken bike touring into a new direction by creating a primary school educational tour that would allow students around the world to join them virtually in order to explore the extraordinary stories from the people and the environments of the Australian continent. By creating school-related content throughout their journey and sharing from the field, the Swag family have taken schooling outside of the classroom, ensuring that their children are engaging in authentic learning situations while also satisfying their needs of discovery and adventure. Throughout this episode, we're going to be talking about their tour, how they managed to travel with two young children by bike, uh, what difficulties and challenges exist when traveling with children, and what they have done to make the tour educational for their children, as well as much, much more. If you'd like to follow the Swag Family on their adventures, you can find them at www.swagfamily.com.au or follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Swag Family Hughes. Nicola, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. So to begin with, what is swag? Yeah, we, we've got that from a few um, North Americans as we've traveled around. I think over where, where we're talking to you from, it's a bunch of goodies you get when you enter a race and you might get a like a show bag of, of nice stuff. Yeah. Um, in Australia, it is it really harks back to sort of colonial times and a poet wrote a song about once a jolly swagman and the swag was the sort of itinerant traveler that would travel from shearing shed to shearing shed and really just have the stuff on their back that they carried with them and that bag was called the swag and oh. the swag held the, yeah the necessities of life so we're the swag family because we're carrying just what we need on our bikes and we're traveling around like the itinerant swagman of old Ah, okay. So it's kind of like a, what we would call a hobo back in the day. Now hobo is kind of just like homeless person, yes. but originally it was somebody who yes, had that stick over their shoulder with the bag hanging from it. That's yeah, right. yeah, exactly. We are hobos, and that is that is <laughs> the, the hobo family we call for your your listeners. In the best sense of the word. 
<laughs> so let's start with the backstory to this tour. You guys are from Tasmania, as I believe. And what did you do for a living pre prior to this? Uh, so I'm an outdoor education teacher in Tasmania at a school in Hobart. That's the city of Tasmania. And so I take primary school students up to high school students out on camps and day trips um, exploring the outdoors. So that might be abseiling or kayaking, bushwalking, bike riding, um, that sort of thing. Whilst Andrew, um, Andrew, do you want to explain what you are? Well, yes, I can. I, <laughs> I, um, I've been doing adventure learning projects as a primary school and science trained sort of person. I've been mm -hmm. doing um, school outreach in science and environmental areas for the last 10 years. Okay. And that's involved going on adventures, just like we are now, usually, well, always without the family, and um, putting that on a, on a website where kids can follow the trips. And we attach sort of workbooks and learning materials to those projects over the years. And um, we call it adventure learning because it's just that, you know, really simple combination mm -hmm. of going adventuring and then the things we learn from that are as applicable to primary school kids as they are to the adults doing the adventure. So we just try and combine those two things. That is so cool. I'm a teacher. I don't know if you guys know that. Um, I teach primary I school. I just saw that. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I just moved back to Canada to start teaching here because I was teaching abroad for a while. So I think that's really cool. So, Andrew, do you work for a school board or do you, as in like an independent project and you guys sell your packages to the boards? Uh, it's probably more the latter. So we've, I work for an organization. I started this thing called Expedition Class 12 years ago. And um, then I've worked with an organization called the Bookend Trust for 10 years and we've still got a really close relationship with them mm -hmm. and we source government funding and, and private sponsorship and um, we do deal directly with schools but mostly we try and get our funding uh, from larger sources so we don't end up chasing individual teachers and schools for money uh, and yeah it's just been a really successful way to, to do a broad-based uh, motivational and inspirational sort of product into schools that teachers can really enjoy as much as the students as they follow these sort of zany, fun, interesting and always positive uh, journeys that, that relate to their curriculum in classrooms. So it's a, it's a very unique sort of job and it's one that I made up years and years ago and it's just managed to keep it going for, for the last decade or more. That's cool. All right. And I'm assuming you do have a fair bit of bike touring experience prior to this tour. Both of us have done bike tours before mm -hmm. um i've actually ridden around australia twice before so 20 years ago and 10 years ago i, I undertook solo trips okay and um it's done uh touring some touring around europe through croatia and romania um and also joining andrew on on some of his legs uh on the, the last trip around australia okay but um I have to say, we probably hadn't been bike riding um, for the last five years. So, um, no, nothing. Nothing. Since <laughs> okay. before Hope was born and we moved to the bush. Uh, so, this was really a, you know, an idea to go, right, let's, let's get back on those bikes and, mm -hmm. and travel and tour slowly. Okay. And why did you guys decide to do this with a three and a five-year-old? What, what, what prompted you to say, now's the right time, let's do it? 
Oh, it's a lot to do with uh, their age, actually, and mm. our stage in life. So being three and five, it sounds young to be taking kids out on a bike, but it, it's actually a really great age for their development, but also for the logistics of, of carting kids around mm-hmm. on bikes. Um, so it fitted in time-wise, and we just, we're just dead set adventurers, and we just want to keep doing it even though we've got a young family. Right. And we just, we just didn't see the barriers in the same ways that um, someone that maybe hadn't come from an adventurous background would see. We just we worked out we worked out how to do it, and then mm-hmm. we just got up and went and did it, I suppose. Nice. Um, actually, this is something I had my, my wife and I've had this discussion because I've said I'm a teacher and I'm not going to sit at home for eight weeks in the summer. I'm going to be gone somewhere. And she's like, well, what about the kid? I said, well, I'm taking We're like, we don't have kids yet. But when we do, I said, I'm taking them. They're, they're going to come with me. We're going to travel Europe and they'll, we'll camp every day and we'll, we'll follow the bike path. So it's safe. And you know, this and that. And, and then she's like, okay. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Others have said I, that's I mean, not practical. I would never do that. And I thought, well, you know, it could be done. It's not as bad as I think as it sounds. You know, once you you get used to the routine. Yeah, and I think for us, one of the big things that helped us was knowing that there were other people who had done this before us. Yeah. So we know of other Tasmanian families who've taken children younger. Um, around uh, Europe um, and, you know, there's another family who I think it was last year actually walked um, through the centre of Australia wow. and that was, you know, with a toddler. So Yeah, you should check out the Joneses. Yeah. They, um, yeah, they've, they've, so people are out there doing it and mm. it's really – our kids are – I mean, I say to classrooms when we visit them, but kids are the best adventurers because they don't have a lot of preconditions and uh, ideas about what it should be like. They they adapt very quickly to whatever the situation is. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I, I think I'd probably rather take a three and a five year old than, than some of the some of the adults I've worked with over the years <laughs> <laughs> on an adventure. That it, it's, it's a lot easier than people think, yeah, not true. without its challenges, but. Yeah, and it's not so much, um, yeah, the, the kids can, can adapt to the situation. It's just the adults being prepared to, you know, take them into that situation. So as long as they're in a, a loving and supported environment, they'll just roll with it. Mm-hmm. That's very nice. Um, so I assume you started from Tasmania and then you caught the boat to the mainland and then where did you go from there? I'd, yeah, to give you the, the sort of quick version of it, we spent the first month and a half in Tasmania and we covered, I think, 1,500 kilometres. Uh, not sure how many miles that is, but... Uh, I use kilometres, I suppose. Good. I, mean, I use kilometres, yes. yes. <laughs> Sorry. And then we, yeah, we did. We caught the boat across Bass Strait and then from Melbourne, which is um, the capital of Victoria, we went straight up the eastern side of Australia, but... Mm-hmm. We didn't follow the coast. We went inland through the outback or the edge of the outback mm-hmm. and we stayed off the main busy highways and we reached the, the water again or the ocean again next at Cairns, which is far north Queensland and that's you know thousands of kilometres up, up there. And then we turned across the top of Australia and, and we followed some dirt roads, some really rough roads, um, very isolated sections across to the next Ocean Meeting, which was in Broome on the western yep. side of Australia, and, and now we're heading, we're sort of heading south down to the 
the southern coast and we'll head along the southern coast until we get back to Melbourne in a couple of months' time. Okay, so you're heading towards, like, down towards Perth and then along the south, yeah? Well, we're even being a bit sneaky. Because of our time, we want to be back by Christmas time to Tassie. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're missing the west coast of Australia completely. We're going from Broome straight down to the mining town of Kalgoorlie, which okay. is sort of in the lower middle of Western Australia, and then, then we hit the coast again in the Great Australian oh, okay. Bight, um, which if you look at a map of Australia, is that big shark bite out of the bottom. And, um, yeah, we don't we, – we're not obviously seeing everything, and we're certainly not doing a, a circumnavigation in any sort of true mm -hmm. sense of the outside of Australia. We're, we're making the most of our year um, as best we can. Okay, yeah, that's um, that's good. I was looking at the maps today and thinking, well, if they're nine months into this, how are they going to get back by Christmas? If they... <laughs> that that starts to make more sense. Um, so, it's where are you now? What's the name of the the town you're in? Uh, oh. We're in a place called Marble Bar, which is uh, well known in Australia for being the hottest place in Australia. Uh -huh. So we we have uh, temperatures of between thirty five and thirty nine degrees at the moment. Okay, that's not too bad at the moment i guess it's getting towards Please, hotter in the summer very very hot <laughs> <laughs> i was living well, in southeast so asia for very, seven very years hot. ten years so <laughs> oh yeah look there's they get we're in the we're still on the edge of what they call the the dry or the cool season up here yeah um so it's the right time to be here but it's starting to get hot and yeah. by summertime they can get they'll have days and days, weeks and weeks in the 40s and right up to 50 degrees up here. So it's, um, you got to, yeah, we've got to get out of here soon. That's why I'm saying it's not that hot. I can, I can see it getting worse because I knew it could get really bad up there. <laughs> oh, unbearable. I don't think you'd want to be up here on a bike in a couple of months' time. Yeah. yeah. And I have to say, being Tasmanian, I mean, 30, 30 degrees is stinking hot for us southerners. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, how did you, make a did you actually make a plan to take the year or did you just kind of say we're gonna go we have a year let's go and just make it as far as we go or did you have like checkpoints that you said we need to reach here by a certain time um well in terms of designing we actually i mean we knew that we wanted to ride around australia and look at australia but we spent um, probably a month and a half in Tasmania, just zigzagging around mm -hmm. and finding uh, finding our feet. And um, but what by the time we actually came over Bass Strait, we were still umming and ahhing about which route we'd take. So you know, being a, an adventure, um, different routes have opened up as we've as we've progressed along, which okay. has been really exciting. Not not sort of locking ourselves into bits and pieces at the beginning. Um, where as we've travelled around about uh, four or five months into the trip, I got a phone call from my sister saying, um, guess what, uh, my partner and I are engaged and we're getting married. Um, and so that turns out to be a November wedding. So we've got to mm. find our way to get uh, over to Sydney, um, which, you know, we've already passed the eastern side of Australia. So that has actually put a bit of a time um, a timeline on it for us. So where we have to get to Adelaide by um, oh, what is it the the eleventh of November. So that sort of given us um, some some points that we need to make I by see. certain dates to yeah to to finish off the trip. But it's great because it has actually meant that you know we we now have calculated that we can do 
do the lap of Australia. Okay. Yeah, and to, well, to give you an example, Chris, we we're just looking uh, last week or up till today. We're still getting information on a road, a dirt road from Kalgoorlie that'll take us onto the Nullarbor, which would be 500 kilometres of uh, really remote riding. And we don't know if it's a good idea or not yet, but we're doing some research as we travel towards it. And we'll make that call pretty much when we get to Kalgoorlie, which way we go. We can go on the dirt road or we can go down the, the bitumen. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's happened all the way around. We don't, we know we need to get back home, but we don't know how we get there and, okay. until we get there. Yeah, I saw the video where you guys were just basically falling over on the bikes and kids were running down the dirt road because <laughs> the, the washboard was so bad that it was like you couldn't even stay on the bike. I don't imagine. <laughs> yeah. I don't imagine the next road could be worse than that, <laughs> but you never know. I, I think we probably covered as, as bad as it gets. Um, there's always worse out there, but no, we've we probably covered the northern half of Australia is is the the less populated, um, less sealed roads. Mm-hmm. It's a much tougher environment, I would say, than where we're heading. But um, you never know. We might have a few surprises in store for us. Yeah. Yeah. How far do you guys ride on average? I mean, it's a lot different when you have all the bags and kids as well. Yeah, we we probably we're significantly slower than most tourers. Um, so we on the bitumen might do sort of sixty kilometres, but that's very much dependent on what's going on with the weather. Mm-hmm. So if we've got a tailwind, um, we cracked one hundred and six kilometres riding into oh, nice. Broome. Um, which was fantastic. But then on the Gibb River Road, which is the one where we were falling over in the really soft sand and having to push and um, heave bikes through some pretty um, yeah, horrid conditions, I suppose, tough, challenging conditions, um, we were doing 27 kilometres and, and absolutely knackered it. Today. Yeah. And uh, what kind of bikes are you using? Are they specially set up so the kids can pedal too or is it just are they just passengers or how does it work? They are specially set up so the kids can pedal. So they're, they're very standard tandems, but mm-hmm. uh, I ride with Hope. So she's our five-year-old girl, and, and the frames from Thorn in the UK came over and they'd, they'd measured us up or we set measurements. And Hope can pedal from a normal seat position. Okay. And on Wilf, Wilfie's with Nick on the, the yellow tandem, and they set that up so that he's got pity cranks that, that um, bolt onto the stem and his little short cranks attached with a long chain down to the front oh. um, chain ring. Uh, he pedals in the same motion as Nick, and the lower normal pedals, we just took the pedals off, and they just spin around. So everything's geared together on the bikes, mm-hmm. and the kids have the option of pedaling, and they often do, but they can also just put their feet on the crossbar and, and um, chill out, have some stories from mum and dad, and, and watch the day sort of go by that way. So... We don't make them pedal, but they can if they want to. That's and the, the other thing that, that, that Wilfie's got on his bike is uh, a backrest with a seat belt. Okay. So it's not you know, it's not like your traditional child seat on a bike. It's just a, a steel frame um, uh, waist um, section uh, mm-hmm. that basically holds him in if he was to get bounced out. So he's... He's fallen asleep once on the bike, which he wouldn't normally do, but he was um, suffering from a cold that day. Okay. Uh, and the, the belt held him in for me to feel the, the slump of the bike and then sort of turn around and deal with the situation. But um, he's got that hope, doesn't need to have that. But, um, okay. yeah, that's the only other addition. 
other than that, they're very standard bike setups with front and rear panniers, handlebar bags. Um, I'm carrying a trailer on my bike so we can load it up with extra water where we need to. Um, and yeah, they're, they're, it's very it's a very typical looking setup except for the the fact that they're longer mm-hmm. with two small children on the back of them rather than adults. Fair enough. Then um, you said there were Thorn bikes. Yeah, Thorn. We got in touch with Robin Thorn um, because we knew he, he made or they made quality bikes over there, mm-hmm. and, and we spent a bit extra than we probably could afford at the time. But we thought we wanted some good bikes to to do this trip, yeah. and uh, we've gone with roll off hubs in the back, so there's uh-huh. less maintenance and less stress on on the running gear. Mm-hmm. And um, it paid off the other day because I went to a bike shop in camp in Broome after the a really long section on the dirt. And the, the bike mechanic had a look at the chain. He said, look, if you'd, if you'd been running a, a derailleur, it, you wouldn't have made it here with this chain, the condition it's in. It's only because you've got the roll-off. Okay. Um, that so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great, robust setup on the bikes, and that's not without a few mechanical issues along the way, but we've, we've gone pretty well. And they'll be usable for years to come, right? You can just keep adjusting them for the children as they grow up and do more tours. Yeah, that, that's the idea. They're, they're both, they'll probably last us until they're young teenagers, mm-hmm. the setup we've got. We can take the kitty cranks off, we can put Wilfie on Hope's bike and Hope can go on the on the bigger bike. So, yeah, they're, they're quite uh, adaptable to us as a growing family. And how much is the, the weight that you're, I mean, with the bike and bags and trailer, and, and it's got to be pretty substantial, yeah? Yeah, um, so Andrew's bike probably weighs around 70 kilos, I reckon. He's He carries a fair bit of the water mm-hmm. in the trailer, um, and that's without human bodies on it, obviously. And mine is probably around 40, 50 kilos. I don't carry the trailer. So, um, yeah, they're heavy bikes, and they're, they're a bit of a mission to, to stand up, um, and for that also that reason we don't have stands on our bikes we often lie them down on the ground which sometimes passing traffic get a bit concerned that we've had some major crash because the bikes are lying down do the kids have any toys with them or is it more just development of around play in the environment it's bit it's a bit of both. we have a few they've collected toys along the way a lot from the side of the road so uh, a little monster truck Wilson found a monster truck on the side of the road a week ago, and he's been enjoying playing with that in the sand. Uh, we love collecting number plates, which come in handy as bulldozers in the sand. Um, but we do get the occasional uh, great auntie that sends us a care package with some soft toys in it, or, or whatever. We can't carry much, so we don't. Yeah. We don't really. We don't have a bag full of toys, but we have the odd thing in their handlebar bag that they can um, play with. But look, there's so much out here when we're camping for them to do that they don't need the traditional bag of toys to keep them entertained. Uh, so that's one of the great things about being in the bush and camping the way we are. There's there's plenty to occupy their little minds as we travel around. Okay. And um, how do the ch- children handle being on the bikes day after day? Surprisingly well. Um, it, we sort of go through these stages on the bike. So um, we might have 
story time where Andrew and I are sort of retelling stories from our past, uh, yeah. other adventures that we've had or, you know, when we got married or the kids' birth stories, all, all those sorts of yeah. learning about their, their families um, through to retelling Disney stories or, or fairy tales, that sort of thing. Um, we play I Spy. Um, but then there's also this time where it's just quiet on the bikes and it's thinking time and, you know, you can sometimes hear the kids talking away to themselves playing some sort of imaginary game. And yeah. really I have been surprised that each day the kids just jump on the bikes and um, it's not the, oh, I don't want to get on the bikes oh, okay. or do we have to do this again? Because the, the travelling is such a different way to travelling. I think if we... We're doing this trip in a car and we were expecting the kids to be sitting in a seat um, all day, every day, then um, I don't think that they would enjoy that as much and they would sort of look to use other sources of entertainment. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're travelling on a bike, and, I mean, you'd know this as well, you're travelling with your senses. So, you know, they're seeing all this stuff at a slow pace and they're sm smelling stuff and they're hearing stuff and they've got the capacity to jump off the bikes and... And, and pick up and touch and um, and feel those things. And so it's, you know, it's a really engaging way for kids to travel. And the questions that come up as we pass things, are, you know, their minds are just being expanded every day. Yeah. I was wondering, like, when you're with the kids, if they say, can we stop? Is that a stopping time? Or do you start to hum and haw and thinking of, is this a good time? Should we go on? Well, it's a bit of both. We definitely listen to them. Uh, we sometimes ignore them for maybe a few kilometres and just say, oh, we're not far, we'll just have lunch in 15 minutes. Or, uh, But you have to listen to them because it, it, it means they're genuinely tired or genuinely mm -hmm. hot or they need a break. So we do listen to those cues. And we tend to stop a fair bit on the road. Like we're not – I mean, we've been watching the wonderful Race to the Rock here in Australia where there's some – yeah crazy men and women riding from one side of the country to the middle uh, and doing two, three hundred kilometres a day, It's we're just so different to that yeah. form of, of bike riding. We are five kilometres down the road. Oh, I think that was a number plate. Let's jump off and go and grab that. Or let's have morning tea and it might be an hour under a tree somewhere. Um, so it's, it's a pretty relaxed pace mm -hmm. and it has to be. They're three and five years old and... You know, we don't we don't have 100 kilometres in our head every day. We've got 40 or 50 and 60 if we're lucky. So it's a it's a nice way to travel from that point of view. It, it's much more relaxed than than some of the, the trips I've done, and I, I suspect Nick's done in the past. Okay, what are some of the challenges that you face when cycling with children? Before continuing on with the podcast, I just want to thank some of the Bike Tour Adventures sponsors. Bike Tour Adventures is proudly sponsored by Redshift Sports. Founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who happen to be avid cyclists, they've been focused on creating components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience, such as the switch aero system, the shock stop suspension system, and the kitchen sink handlebar system. I've been using the dual position seat posts paired with the shock stop stem since 2020 and have nothing but great things to say about their products. Use the checkout code BTA15 on their website to save 15%. Beginning in 2010 with environmental sustainability as a main focal point, Restrap has been in the bag making business for quite some time. Having used a race bag since 2021, I find their holster system and magnetic buckles to be extremely effective and truly unique. 
Use the checkout code BTAPOD10 to save 10% at checkout. Lastly, named after the animal that roams the Tibetan plateau, Chiru Endurance Bikes was started by Pierre Arnaud Le Magnin in 2009. After noticing the lack of endurance bikes on the market, Pierre used his expertise, know-how, and racing experience to create high-end carbon fiber and titanium bikes for the discerning rider and racer. Thanks, and back to the podcast. I would say we definitely we get very tired from, let's say, relaxed, but we're still... So a lot of energy goes into the days. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's being with each other 24-7, so a lot of uh, conversation. Um, all that closeness and energy and exercise being expended means you, we get really tired by the afternoon and the evening, and that's for parents that have small kids. I know that's the time when kids often, for some bizarre reason, have the most energy and <laughs> uh, want to go crazy. So, so we have... Usually in the late afternoons, we'll get off the bikes and the kids will be buzzing around with a million things to do and questions and um, we're knackered and we're setting up the tents and setting up the camp and that can be a challenging time just to keep, um, to be a good parent as well as yeah. as well as just manage yourself at the end of the day. So get the fluids in, get the food in. Um, and get the camp set up. So that, that's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. Uh, I think we're we're getting we're we're good at we're good at it. We, we're managing it, but it's not without difficulty. Okay. What other advice or what advice could you give to parents out there that might be thinking of doing a family bike tour and are unsure about how to go about it? I would say anyone that's. I mean, it's not for everybody. That's the first thing to say. It's definitely not for everyone. I suspect the people listening to this podcast might be more inclined than others. Um, but do it. I mean, there's absolutely nothing to stop anybody that has the will to mm-hmm. take their kids on a bike tour. And it can be very slow paced. It could be more ambitious than what we're doing or less ambitious. And um, we've had the most amazing experience over the last nine months and um, if you value travel and experiences with other people and kids developing in ways that are that are not the norm then bike touring with kids is definitely the way to go um, but like just be prepared for all the things we've talked about yeah the challenges and and coming I think coming at coming at the bike tour with without high expectations about what you're going to achieve every day is probably one thing I'd advise. Um, don't set yourself too lofty your goals, certainly to begin with, and just be happy with getting down the road 20 or 30 kilometres and pitching a tent. That's that's enough most days. Mm. True. Have there been any serious problems on this trip, um, sicknesses, major breakdowns, etc.? Um, we Well, we had a patch in Tasmania. We were probably about a month in, and it, everything just came hurling at us. We... We all came down with this serious, crazy cold. Andrew ended up getting some sort of lung infection from it, so we were pretty knackered from that. And then he went to fix the bikes and sliced his finger and had to get stitches um, oh. in that at the, from the doctors. And at the same time, I had um, come down with salmonella. <laughs> <laughs> so I was bed-bound um, for the weekend. It was just lucky it coincided with... Um, arriving at Andrew's parents' place on the east coast of Tasmania so we could sort of bunker down. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then we, we left there, and no sooner had we left there, uh, we were doing a, a soft gravelly section of road, and um, Wilfie and I came a cropper. We, uh, we basically um, downed ourselves in a very soft bit of gravel, and the bike just being so heavy just slammed down, and we, we hit hard with our, our heads and our faces, and um, Wilfie ended up coming out pretty unscathed, about, apart from with the, with the blood on his cheek, mm-hmm. but... Um, I had this massive egg on my arm and for for probably a 24-hour period whilst we went to get it checked out, um, had a, you know, suspected that it might have been a broken arm. Okay. But, um, yeah, yeah, so that was all within the space of probably uh, two weeks. Oh, Everything nice. just came hurtling at us. And um, since that time, actually, we've been travelling pretty healthily. I mean, we, we go through patches of being tired and a bit run down but um, I think not having the kids in daycare or school this year has meant that we have been really healthy and um, hardly any colds and, mm-hmm. and no no gastro apart from my salmonella which I think came from some dodgy dodgy takeaway food that we ate at a shop. Uh-huh. Mm. That's impre- interesting like it's like a perfect storm of two weeks like everything that could go wrong did. Yeah look if you if you believe in sort of, I don't know, higher powers or whatever, you, it might be the universe sort of telling us that um, it was time that we needed to stop and rest because we've been working pretty hard and intensively up until that point, okay. you know, pre-trip, finishing work, um, getting all set up for the trip, packing up the house, going and saying goodbye to friends and family and then hitting the road hard hard on, on Tasmania's rugged wild west coast with some serious hills and, and gravel gravel roads um, and I, you know I think in some ways maybe it was our um, I don't know our bodies or whatever just saying hey guys stop for a week mm-hmm. you don't have to keep going and just 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 get a bit healthier so we ended up sort of recuperating, recuperating um, up in the northeast of Tasmania at this beautiful place called Little Muscle, Muscle Row Bay and um, yeah it was just yeah, it felt felt right to stop and, and, and recover there. Oh, great. How often do you stay in hotels or do you regularly camp or what's the the breakdown? It's a lot of roadside camping and the beauty of being in Outback Australia for a large part of this trip means that we can pretty much just pull up on the side of the road, um, find a spot behind some trees that's a bit hidden from the traffic and pitch a camp. Um, we stay in caravan parks and sometimes cabins within those parks mm-hmm. for maybe once every fortnight and that's just to make the videos that we produce for the education website yeah. and um, other than that, that's so we can sit down and edit and write and things um, but other than that it's, it's been a very tent-based trip. Um, one thing that's happened, we've met a lot of people on the way through social media of all places and that's led to some great people offering to let us stay at their places on the way and in fact, here in Marble Bar, we met some people up the road doing some mustering at one of the cattle stations, and they've yep. got a little house here in town, and we're perched in their living room at the moment. They're out working hard on the, the station, and, and we're having a couple of days here to make videos and get our food for the next leg. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of camping, a lot of hospitality, and very few, yeah, virtually no hotels, I would say. It's, no, no just we do ca- caravan, caravan parks. What is um, what is your budget? How do you have? Have you figured out what a daily budget is? 
what you tend to spend on average? It's it's been hard because we've got. I mean, there's two parts to it. It wouldn't be for everybody because we've got an educational part that costs more. That's running a website, yeah. subscriptions for bits and pieces that we need to, to run along the way. But overall, if I said how much, if someone said how much would you need to do it, like you did it, mm-hmm. um, it would be around two to two and a half thousand bucks dollars Australian a month. Uh, so that's about five six hundred dollars a week. Okay. Um, probably almost. A third of that would be education project related and the rest of it would be camping, accommodation, food, um, normal things if you like for travelling, repairs and bits and pieces. So yeah, it's a bit hard to put an exact number on it, but that's probably about what we we budget for. And how did you save for this? How does um, It's hard to save for a whole family of four to do something like this for a year. Oh, we're very lucky in that sense. We Because of the project being an education project, we've got some funding from the Tasmanian Department of Education uh-huh. and we work very closely with Tasmanian public schools to make the project available to them. Um, we have some private or you know corporate sponsorship from TASAL in Tasmania, uh, from Australian Geographic Society, from the Inspiring Australia, which is a science communication organisation from the okay. federal government. Uh, and then we, we do a bit of fundraising by selling stickers and and try and make ends meet that way. And, of course, we're also eating into our we, – we have a house at home and we've got renters looking after our house and that we, we sort of joke that they're our biggest sponsors because they're, they're allowing us to pay the mortgage while we're away. Yeah, that's right. And we also – yeah, we eat into our mortgage a little bit by this stage of the trip too. So uh, it does cost a bit of – it's definitely costing us money, but it's – it's completely worth it and we've been very lucky yeah. compared to many people that do similar things. That's right. You know, North America or Australia, there's very good education and it's free. I mean, well, it's in the taxes, but it's free. Um, whereas places like Malaysia, parents regularly spend ten to $20,000 a year just to have their kids in school. So when you start thinking of it that yeah. way, you say, yeah, it's, it's just an investment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I mean, we, we had a bit of a joke between ourselves. We said, oh, what would... If we were to, to give our kids to someone else and give them a, an experience like this as a, as a paid education product or sort of, there you go, kids, have a year away on a bike and go and learn heaps of stuff. What would you charge uh, them? I don't, well, <laughs> a, you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't find anyone to do it for you, but it they'd charge an awful lot. So, look, we're giving ourselves and our kids a great, wonderful learning year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we can't really put a price on that, I don't think. But, um, yeah, it's... We'd, like I say, we'd, we're just very lucky to be in the position we're in and to be able to do it. So, yeah. So, when I was eight years old, I went to Disney World. And at this point in my life, I don't remember that much about it. My question to you is, do you worry the children are going to forget this trip as they get older? Or will it be something that you just kind of review and talk about regularly and see if it sticks? Yeah. So, I hope five and Wilfie's three and I think um, I'm pretty sure that Hope will remember by you know by herself uh, some moments from this trip and uh, you know I have I have memories from when I was three these flashbacks of certain things so I wouldn't be surprised if Wilfie might remember something mm-hmm. but I think it's more this trip's more about setting them up for giving giving them broad-based skills you know that idea of 
resilience and and looking after themselves and and seeing the world through through different eyes through all the people that we meet knowing that there's not one way to live and so these these skills and and values that they're learning they they will take them through mm-hmm. the rest of their life with them so it's not necessarily oh i remember riding through marble bar and hanging out at someone's house um it's it's that you know they they have developed you know part of the foundations of, of their life and who they are on this trip and that's what we really had hoped for and i mean we're seeing these huge changes in the in the kids in terms of um, their confidence and their ability to approach other kids and, and other adults and have conversations whereas before they would they would hide behind us and they wouldn't you know they didn't want to go and um, speak to these scary strangers so you know those things have changed for them but obviously we, we're also making um, these movies each week each couple of weeks and the, the kids have seen them every so often but I'm I'm sure that they they will end up sort of forming some of those memories later on down the track when mm-hmm. they when they look at them going, oh I remember that but whether or not that's actually based on watching one of the, the little clips who knows true yeah it'll be just a perfect refresher can you tell mm. us more about the website and the educational aspect of the tour you did touch on it briefly in talking about the funding but um, what exactly is it and how does it work well that's the yeah so it's 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 a the concept of adventure learning is something that I've been working on with the Bookend Trust and other people over the years. And it's really just about making a resource, which is the website and then the workbooks that we produce before we leave so that teachers can step into the website, have a look at the videos or the progress map or um, get in touch with us on a, a forum where we can answer their questions. And then that sort of engagement with what we're doing out here leads to questions, lessons and learning in the classroom. Um, So the website really just functions as a way for adventurers, us in this case, to meet students in classrooms. And through that interface, we just hope to spark some imagination, some inquiries and some some hard knowledge as well. So they're, they're seeing parts of Australia that they wouldn't otherwise get to see and, and we hope that translates into a, a sort of a desire and a thirst to, to, to find out more on their own and take it further. So the website is a, it's a, it's pretty simple in many ways. It's really just an old fashioned you know, blog um, with a, a few teaching resources bolted onto it. But it, it really is effective at getting, giving kids a kid specific adventure product that they can, they can feel like they're a part of. And um, that's, that's the way we want the website to feel anyway. We want them, we want kids to, to enter it and go, cool, here's the, here's the swag family, they're part of my gang, uh, this adventure I'm involved in. And, and that leads to hopefully really engaged learners. I was looking at your website, it's really, I like it. I was thinking of if there's a way I could use it in my classroom. I teach French though, so I'm not sure, but I, I might have to do some <laughs> translating. <laughs> but no, that, we don't cater specifically to the French teachers. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, look, the website, and I should give a plug to our, our website developer, is just a, an amazing person, Rebecca Skiers. Uh, she's done a lot of it out of the goodness of her own heart okay. to help us out. And the designer, Patrick Badger, those two down in Tassie, um, absolute dynamos. And yeah, we, we don't do all that ourselves. So, and I guess that's another 
if someone wanted to do something like this, my advice would be find other people that are good at different parts of project management and project development and get them to lend their expertise or right. if you can possibly pay them properly for it, then do that because you get a much better experience for the users at the other end. Good call. I was going to ask you, I saw on the site the word Naragunawali, and I wasn't sure what that meant. Probably I assume it's something that most Australians know about, but maybe uh, you could just enlighten us. No, so Naragunawali is um, an educational platform for reconciliation action plans. And um, these, uh, these plans, this website is to help early learning centres, schools, businesses, organisations develop um, their own reconciliation action plans okay. um, to, to bring um, meaningful ways, uh, uh, meaningful reconciliation into into these communities. So when we, in Australia, when we're talking about reconciliation, it's it's between Indigenous or First, First Nations people in Australia mm -hmm. and the rest of the, the general public and it obviously... Australia has a history of colonisation just over 200 years ago yeah. and Australia is still working through some big issues around that and for our trip we just wanted to be just starting on the journey I suppose to, to be actively thinking about that and working towards ways that in our very small way we can, we can find out more about the issues behind mm -hmm. um, the relationship between us and the country and the First Nations people, and then just start to try and understand it. And I think that's what many Australian um, people are starting to, to wake up that we've got a lot of work to do to, yeah. to grapple with our past. And yeah, we're just starting on that journey. So it's been really great from that point of view. Okay, we have a lot of a lot of issues with this as well in Canada with uh, with regards to reconciliation. First Nations and stuff. Mm. It's a it's an ongoing process. So the Swag Family Reconciliation Action Plan is um, what have the kids gained from this so far? Can you tell us a bit about that? So I mean, for our children and for all the students that are following the the project, and also um, you know the adult audience through Facebook and mm -hmm. Instagram, as we as we travel through, we we look to get stories from different places and. You know that um, the the First Nations story is, um, yeah, like we said, it's 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 an, a really interesting story, um, and and different things are happening in different parts of Australia. So we like to um, yeah interview different people, and so for our kids, they they're getting a real perspective, different perspective on on what's going on in Australia. So that's that's been really valuable for for us um, and for our kids, and also for for the the wider audience. Awesome. And I think that ties right into my next question is um, a lot of people, they do bike tours all over the world, going to different countries and stuff just to get this taste of culture and how people are different. How have you noticed or have you noticed much difference in the way the people are throughout Australia and uh, how are they similar or different? Um, well, you know, we, we, I mean, one example is, so we're from Tasmania. Yeah. Uh, we're quite a, a, a very green, luscious, forested state, um, and we've got farming um, uh, down here. But our farming is so small scale compared to uh, the farming up on uh, up in the the northern part of Australia, where you know we're, we're talking about a million a million acre properties that have got 
and they're not densely stocked. They're just huge properties that can't sustain a lot of livestock. But um, yeah, people, it's just that the, the scale of, of things in these parts of Australia is very different to where we come from. Okay. Mm. So, I mean, seeing those sort of differences, but also, um, you know, talking to people and and people live in, in different ways across Australia and there's different industries and, um, you, you know, different values. But the, the, the thing about travelling on a bike with kids is people seem to be really happy to come up and have a conversation mm-hmm. uh, with us. And for, for our kids to see um, people of... Um, all different colours and from all different backgrounds and um, living in all different parts of Australia and to know that, you know, at at the core of it, humans can be very generous, caring, wonderful and interesting people um, regardless of of where you live and and how you live your life. And that that has been a a really huge thing for for our kids and for us to, to experience. Yeah, I think it's an amazing trip. It really resonates with me because it's something I could see myself doing when I have a three or a five year old. So it's you come over here, mate. And we'll, we'll we'll loan you the bikes and you go for it. You go you go hooning around. Excellent. I'll get in touch. Yeah, we'll be we'll be in touch. Now everybody in the world knows that Australia is the one country that's trying to kill you all the time. Everything is poisonous or deadly. <laughs> How do you keep your kids safe when they're running around, you know, barefoot or just playing in the the rocks and everything? And Oh look, it is it is probably one of the the bigger. I mean, Australians are the worst at it, but we build this this mythology around how dangerous Australia is. Uh, it is it just isn't that dangerous when you you have you need to go in with a little bit of a little bit of knowledge, but as long as you don't go swimming in crock infested right. waters at a stupid time of the night, and as long as you don't um, try and whack a snake over the head with a shovel. Um, then you're pretty right out here. Honestly, we don't we don't have any fears for our kids or ourselves. Actually, you should check out. Just yesterday, I posted on uh, our website the latest video, and in that video, we meet Brian Bush Busho, and he's a herpetologist, and he loves snakes and, and all the reptiles in Australia. And if you want to see how to how to approach Australian wildlife and, and how to fall in love with it rather than be yeah, scared yeah. of it, then have a watch of that video because it, it's just about attitude and a, a little bit of understanding and Australia's, I reckon it's the safest place on earth. <laughs> we, 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 we have had no dramas at all. Um, having said that, there are some things that could kill you out here if you're, if you're really stupid. Okay, good to know. I'll come to Australia, I'll borrow a bike, give me about five years. <laughs> Done. We're locked What have been some of the greatest memories of this trip, whether it's personal or in terms of like just seeing that sparkle in your kids' eyes? Um, anything that's that sticks out, that stands out for you? Gee, there's every day. Uh, <laughs> that's the problem. So what we're doing is every couple of weeks yeah. we're putting the footage together and, and trying to put a five-minute video together of the highlights of the fortnight. And there's a lot. Um, I, I'll give you one. It's just a little one, but it was the kids – were we're at a rest stop. It was a nondescript sort of place in central Queensland and an army coloured truck, a big big army coloured truck pulled in and Wilfie is mm-hmm. pretty obsessed with all things army and, and big machine related. So oh, do you think they've got guns? Um, what do you think they are? Are they soldiers and all this sort of stuff? We said, Go and have a talk to them, mate. Just 
we're just here 200 metres away. Walk up and have a chat to them. And they ummed and ahed and heed and hawed and, and thought about it. And then eventually the two of them, hoping Wilfie together, got the courage to, to go by themselves and talk to these two men out of this truck who ended up being, um, yeah, well, one was a police officer and, and one was his brother and the most lovely people. And just that was their first big step into breaking down that fear of strangers and the unknown. And, uh, you know, it was a little thing, but it was something that, that we'll remember, I think, as parents because we saw our kids yeah, yeah. sort of take that leap, if you like. And it's it's not every day you get to do that. But on this trip, there's there's more more of those sort of opportunities pop up than... Yeah, yeah. It's like that first time they really. crawl, take a walk or... <laughs> Go go and talk to strangers. <laughs> yeah, in an army truck on the side of the road. <laughs> anyway, there you go. That's, that was that was a memorable one. What about you, Nick? I I have to say I, I I do think it is our interactions with other people that have um, created the, the biggest memories um, along the trip, and you know even bumping into mm-hmm. caravanning families along the way and. Um, you know, the, the generosity of people, but hearing people's stories and what, what has brought them to these places. And, and that seems to really um, make a connection for us um, along the way. Uh, uh, yeah, so I think people have been, been the biggest part. And obviously, you know, the Australian landscape is so diverse and, and incredible. Um, so we've been to some of the most beautiful places along the way. Um, and even just last week, we, we rode down this mm-hmm. road called the Boreline Road and uh, it's in the, the East Kilbra and it, just spectacular colours and the, the rock escar- red rock escarpments and the green spin effects and the blue uh, skies and those moments, just seeing those those different landscapes for the first time, they you know they get burnt okay. into your memory as well. Is there anything you would do differently if you were to do it all over again? No, I don't think so. Like, and it's one. Of, as, I mean, it's a good question, but it's one of those yeah. what ifs. And I, I think we operate, try not operate on what ifs. And um, look, we've taken a lot of forks mm-hmm. in the road on this trip, so we've gone this way instead of that way. And you, you could you could think about oh what if you know what would have happened down that road but we, we don't really we just take what comes along the road we're on um, so as far as changing things for the trip the trip is what it is and we are where we are and we are enjoying what we're doing because of the decisions we've made uh, I'm not saying it was all perfect but I wouldn't, it wouldn't have been the it same because, trip yeah yeah we wouldn't be here otherwise so. Uh, yeah. So no, 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 nothing for me. I don't know. Nick, Nick might want to change husbands or something. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> no, no. And look, I think you know where things have have gone slightly wrong. Um, you know, they're the points that you learn, and you you make adjustments and you make changes, and and that's 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 part of the adventure. So you know, you need those bits the good the bad and the ugly to to have a great time and look from a videography point of view the more difficult stressful (laughs) dirty horrible moments the better (laughs) as far as i'm concerned i need a little bit of something to to put the camera up against and and make it fun for the the video part um but joking aside nick i mean nick's absolutely right Uh, the the people you can't have adventure without making mistakes and without getting it wrong and without 
challenge and difficulty and uh, you might as well just call it a, a computer game if you, if you had it all worked out beforehand. So no, it's, we, we love the, you know, the good and the bad of this trip. And um, the unknowns. Usually, usually we love it later, like yeah. at the time we might not love it as much, but <laughs> later on we go, gee, that was cool how you know, exhausted you were, gee, you were grumpy then, that was, that was pretty funny. And <laughs> <laughs> it's all part of the fabric. What do you miss most from your normal everyday life at home? Uh, do you know, it's um, the further we've progressed into this trip, um, that yearning for home life has, has definitely dissipated and and we have seen the value of of this simplistic life um but having said that yeah I, you know i miss my my friends and my family um and and some days i i do miss just you know stopping and being in one place um and and having that mm-hmm. grounded feeling uh, at at home and we've got a very special um special home that is nestled in the bush and we look over the water and and i miss the water um when we're inland so i miss listening to uh podcasts that aren't kid oh, friendly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> like I, I i've got i, I really enjoy uh, we've got often yeah. a long drive in tassie to get somewhere from where we live and often it will be on my own and uh i'd crank up a podcast about something that interests me and it's um i don't get to do that anymore it's all like kids science podcasts if we've got them on the bike or or songs yeah, so yeah. i'm missing that a little bit but that's, a, that's a legitimate a, a legitimate missing yeah something you could just uh, just music and stuff that's not kids yeah. stuff. <laughs> what is yeah. uh what's next yeah. for the swag family after the wedding i guess well yeah we get back to tassie for christmas and we Nick goes back to school, mm-hmm. so she's got a job back at school to get back into. Um, from my side and the project side, we'll keep we'll keep plugging away with making stuff out of it. So we're hoping to make a, a documentary with some oh, cool. partners down in Tassie. Uh, so there might be a film side of this at the end of it. Uh, I will probably spend some time writing a, a book about it just because I've done adventures for over 10 years now. And this has been the best one, and I feel like it, it's something that I'd like to do and sit down and write about. And other than that, we've got plans for 2021, but maybe we'll talk about that next That's time great. we have a chat to you uh, in a year or two because we do we do definitely have a big plan, but it's not fully formed yet. So All right. we can't, when it's, we can't uh, when it's fully it formed, do get in touch, and, uh, and we'll do an episode about it. Uh, if it comes together the way we think it is, it's going to be... Awesome. How can people learn more about your trip and get involved with the educational aspects of the tour? Where can they find you? Yeah, from an educational point of view, uh, you can jump on the Swag Family website, which is www.swagfamily.com.au. So swagfamily.com.au. And on there is all the uh, videos and the reports to go with that and the um, units of work. Otherwise, um, we post a fair bit on Facebook and Instagram, uh, including those videos and more reports are under Swag Family Hughes and Hughes is spelled H-U-G-H-E-S. And if you could sum up these past nine months in one phrase, what would it be? Oh, life-changing. 
perspective altering, um, exhausting. <laughs> They're words, not phrases. <laughs> <laughs> That's about all I've got at the moment. It's been, it has been, it's been a true adventure, and uh, yeah, wouldn't change a thing. How about you? Anything you'd like to say, Nicola? Uh, oh no, I have to totally agree with Andrew. Come up with your own words, oh. phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose uh, growth. Um, the, the growth of our family coming together in in terms of our skills and opening our minds up. Um, watching our our kids grow, um, and and just opening our our eyes up to Australia and and um, and this way of travel, it it's been amazing and it has been epic. And it has been epic just having this conversation with you guys. Thank you so much for this, and uh, I wish you guys a very very safe uh, last I- two three months and uh, keep enjoying it. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, there are three different ways you can help me out. You can click the subscribe button on whichever podcast app you're using. You can give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also check out my website at www.biketouradventures.com. In next week's episode, I'll be interviewing Vroni, Droni, and Jonas. They call themselves Oni on Adventure or Onion Adventures. They've been traveling for nearly three years, having cycled 27,000 plus kilometers, and are making their way back to Germany, having started their tour in New Zealand, spending some time in Australia, doing a work and travel visa, and also producing some videos and blog posts for people that follow them. So tune in next week for Onion Adventures. Thank you and keep on pedaling. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated and keep on pedaling.